to Psalm 40, or Psalm 90. We are talking about the infinity and eternality of God. We started this, and this lays under His power. Uh, this is when we're talking about these, we're talking about it under the power of God. Not the intellectual attributes of his knowledge and his wisdom, not the, uh, not the uh, moral attributes of his righteousness and his wrath and his judgment, but the power of God is what his infinity, infinitude and his eternality. He's the eternal God infinite in all ways, omni, <laughs> or like in the word omnipowerful, or, uh, or M, those M words, immortal, that's speaking of the power of God. Psalm 90, verse, well, really this entire psalm written by Moses probably the oldest psalm in your Psalter, in the Psalter in the Bible, that is. Um, we don't know that for sure, but we do know this was written by Moses. And what does he say? He says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. He's not a God of any specific time. Uh, for instance, he was the same God that saved Jimmy in the 60s. <laughs> right, brother? Save me in the year 1999. He was the same God in that generation. He's the same God in this generation. And when the generation that is warm on the earth right now is gone, he'll still be the same God. And particularly, he's Lord, the covenant Lord there, Yahweh, all capital letters, of his people. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in every generation, in all generations. The same God that spoke to Abraham is the same God that went into Egypt and delivered them. It was the same God that rose up David generations later. The same God that brought Christ into the world. The same God that one day is coming for us. Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world even from everlasting to everlasting you see, you see the significance of this right as far back as you can go as we can go that way he's god as far back as far forward as we can go that way on the timeline he's still god and that's what he says from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction and says, and, and say, sayest, return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. God is not limited by time the way you and I are. And the message here is what does he get to? He says, the days of our years, verse 10, 
verse 9 actually for all our days are passed away in thy wrath we spend our years as a tale that is told it is so quick it is like a short story anybody feel like that right now <laughs> i'll be 46 at the end of the year it seems like a short story right and i know brother jeff and brother jimmy and sister Juanita feel the same way about their life and they've got a few more years on us we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if they by reason of strength be fourscore years, so seventy, eighty years, that's about what we can expect. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. There's an end for us in this world, in this life. Who knows the power of thine anger, even... According to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. So Psalm 90 here gives us this flavor of this idea of time that we experience in the context of the eternal, everlasting, infinite God. And of course, he ends this great psalm with that prayer. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. That's a great prayer to end in this concept. So Psalm 90 here gives us that idea of God and time. And that's exactly in a different way how Peter talked about this very same thing. And in 2 Peter chapter 3, you don't have to turn there. Um, Oops, that's the page in the Bible. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. No, I'm, the verse I'm looking for is before that. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, verse 8 that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. He is reminiscing on the idea there of Psalm 90. So when we were musing, we, we tried last week to just define eternality and infinity, and this is not like the Greek philosophers, not like Aquinas or other philosophers who tried to take uh, the Greek philosophy and make it Christian, <laughs> uh, but... We don't think of infinity or eternality as meaning that God is so completely separate and very, so very far away from where we're at that we cannot reach Him. Uh, he's present. And we're going to get into that very idea today. Um, he is, when we're talking about His eternality, we're talking about time cannot limit God the way it limits us. And we started talking about... And, of course, I'm using John Frame systematic theology here as our launching point for our discussion. Um, different ways that God is not limited like we are. And why we speak of eternality is His power over time, His lordship over time, not as some kind of metaphysical um, otherness of God compared to this world, like Plato's world of ideas kind of thing so he is not limited the way you and all, you and i are in the sense that there is no limitation of beginning or end so 
no beginning or end. So you and I are limited that way. Isn't that not what Psalm, Psalm 90 just brought forth? We have a start, we have a finish. And thank God that that finish is not the end because God will raise us up and sustain our lives forever in fellowship with Him. He is bringing us in. But just speaking of what we are, we are limited by that beginning and end. God does not have the beginning and the end. Uh, he is of old, and like it said, He is from everlasting to everlasting. There is no beginning point with God, and there's no ending point with God. He's not limited in such a way. We don't pack God in to like God one day exploded into existence, and one day God will end. We don't stink of Him. We can speak of the universe as a whole like that, Right? One day the universe became or came into being by the power of God, and one day the universe will cease to be. But our God is greater than that. So He's not limited by the beginning or end like you and I. He's not limited by change. So there's no change, no limitation of change. That's what that first verse of Psalm 90 got into. Every generation, you've been God. The second verse, from everlasting, to, from everlasting to everlasting, thou are, you are God. So he's not limited by change. I am the Lord, I change not. And I'm glad about that. I'm glad that we don't have a philosophical... Um, um, process theology where God is growing and changing and evolving like, a, like uh, the philosophy of Hegel or someone like that but our God's the same and perfect in all of his aspects the perfections of God have not changed his covenants don't change One, what, what was a lie yesterday does not become true today because our God's truth does not change he is an unchanging God, and therefore we can rest in such a God. So he's not limited by the beginning or end. He's not limited by change. And the last thing we talked about was he is not limited by ignorance. You and I can be limited by ignorance. As time passes, uh, our memories fade. Uh, someone was talking to me about... Uh, about uh, repressed memories once. <laughs> and what, what do we learn about repressed memories is uh, they're usually wrong. <laughs> uh, they're, they're usually, we, 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 don't, we don't have a perfect recollection of the past. We can't. Uh, do you, when we, and uh, for instance, Glenna, what did you have for breakfast four days ago? You don't remember. <laughs> Do you remember what you had for breakfast yesterday? Cereal, okay. Uh, so today? All right. June 1st. All right. Uh, where were you even at June 1st? 
<laughs> you don't know. All right, the further the past gets away from us, the more we cannot recollect it. Where are you going to be at tomorrow? All right. Okay, gotcha. So you, you, might, you might be somewhere else. All right, what are you going to have for breakfast uh, Wednesday? You don't know? <laughs> Probably cereal, you know? All right, so we, we don't have a perfect grasp of the past. We don't have a perfect grasp. And this isn't to say that, listen, why, why, why we, you and I, these fledging memories of ours, our inability to know what's coming, and even our limited aspect of what is, like there's a lot of things that are present in this building that I'm not even aware of right now. That's not so with God. He, it is, uh, it is, I can't remember the exact proverb, but it says, uh, the testimony of the Lord, because of the testimony of the Lord, things stand. And the wicked don't get away with being wicked. (laughs) Why? Because he remembers. And he knows what's going to be, and he knows what is. Uh, he's not ignorant. He, he's, he's there uh, in time. And, and he sees all events with equal validity. He knows what happens. He knows what happened. And he knows what will happen. So he's not limited in those aspects. And, we pick, and we pick, we're going to pick up from there. We only have one more to talk about as far as limitations, and then we're going to get into the heady idea of defending this, because believe it or not, are you all ready for this? People attack what the Bible teaches, all right? I don't know if this is news to you, but it happens. All right, so when we talk about him being the Lord of time, and this is the idea that his lordship transcends it, not in the sense that he's so far away from it to not be related to it at all, but he is related to time, and he's above it, not limited by it. He's not in the box, if you would, where there's all these limitations and you can only go so far. Our God is Lord over time. So the last limitation that we want to talk about is he is not limited by temporal frustration. All right, so there's no frustration with God. Anybody like basketball in here? You like Kentucky? All right, so how do you feel when there's one minute on the clock and they're down by 10? (laughs) They can be frustrated by time, can't they? All right. Anybody anybody ever... uh, had uh, were waiting on a package to get to your house or something like that, one that you really, really want. I remember waiting on a Christmas when I was a kid because I really thought it was possible I was going to get a Nintendo. <laughs> and it was December 1st, and it seemed like December would never get, December 25th would never get here. Well, we opened up our presents on Christmas Eve. Never would get there. It finally arrived, but man, it was torturous. You can't make time speed up. You're not frustrated by time. You can't make time slow down so your team can come back from a 10-point 
make a 10-point rally in less than 60 seconds. You can't do it. We're frustrated by time. Sometimes time moves so slowly or it moves too quickly. Too slowly it tries our patience. Why won't this come? Why won't this happen? And we're frustrated by it and we want to give up and we want to quit because we don't see the end of what we're going through. Uh, too quickly, I've got this deadline and it's approaching me. I've got so much I've got to do and there's not enough hours in the day to do everything I need to do. God is not frustrated like that. That's what we read there in Psalm 90. Uh, time never passes too slowly for him. He says, for a thousand years are in his sight as but yesterday. Time doesn't pass too quickly either. When Peter says, for, a for one day is, as, is to the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. He's not frustrated by time. It doesn't move too slowly, too quickly. He's not trying to get as much done as possible. He is Lord over time. And he is working in time to bring forth all that has, well, not all that has to be done, all that he has declared must be done. God is completely in control of the clock. <laughs> Amen? Now, can you imagine how many games UK would win if they were in control of the clock? <laughs> Every single game. When they needed to score, the shot clock's turned off. <laughs> uh, the game clock's turned off with 59 seconds until they can score 10, maybe go up by 10. And they just lengthen the time until everything... No, the, but God is in control of the entire sequence of time. From beginning to end, He's not frustrated by it. That's why it says, Galatians 4.4, In the fullness of time, Christ came. Born of a woman, born under the law. What, what, what does it mean here? It mean, what, what, what do we get from that? It means he structured the entirety of history so it could unfold the way he desired for it to unfold. And when the time was right, he sent, he sent Christ into the world. He's in control of the clock. You and I, must conclude then that God does experience time, but He is in control of it. Turn to Acts 1. We've looked at these texts before, but now we're going to look at them again. Acts 1. And I don't think we're going to get deep into the day because it's already, or deep into this today because it's already 20 after 11, 20, almost 25 after. So uh, we'll, we'll get as much done as possible. Acts 1, God, God's experience of time is so much different, but he experiences it as Lord over it. And we're going to see this. We, you and I look at time 
as a limit on our choices. God's not limited by it, though. When we looked, when we study history, everything happened according to God's plan. Listen to this, first, or Acts, the first Acts. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 7, where they asked the question, are you at this time going to restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. What's in his power here? So you see how time is related to power here. Time is in his power. That's why we're discussing it as, as an aspect of God's power. Turn to Acts 17. And there in Acts 1, he goes on to say, Do the work, but you shall receive power. After that, you shall receive power again for today. The same power that he has over time, he's going to give you that. He's going to give you power in time to do the work. Now, Acts 17, we have the same idea. Acts 17, Paul speaking to the philosophers was definitely not an Aristotelian. <laughs> he wasn't a follower of Aristotle. Because here he says something about God's relationship to time, this time not to the Jews but to the Greeks. In verse 26, He hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined the times of their before appointed and the bounds of their habitations. So he's not only God of time there, he's God, he Lord of time there, he's also Lord of space. <laughs> so, amen? That's what, my, that's what the God that you worship is. He's the, Lord of the, he's the Lord over these things. And the times are in his hands. Time, I mean, he is in control of the clock. And everything, that's go, that, everything that he's going to accomplish will be done. So he's not frustrated in that way. Imagine how that would feel, though, if you and I had that power. <laughs> UK would win every basketball game. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, all, I mean, you would get your work done and time for your vacation and time for you to do this with your family and that with your family and this with your friends and that with your friends and you could. I, I would be able to make all the visits I need to make and, I, and talk to all the people I need to talk to. And God's not frustrated. When we talk about ourselves being in time, we, we are the opposite of all these. There's a beginning, there's an end, we're changing, uh, we're, we're ignorant of so much, and we're frustrated by so much. And when we talk about Him and His relationship with time, 
his infinity, his, his, his uh, eternality. We're talking about his lordship. Um, he's clearly not in the box, right? So our God, here's the box. I'm going to draw a box just because I feel like I should draw a cue since I'm talking about a box. This is time. And God is Lord over it. So he's not in the box. He's not limited by time. All right, so this is what would be called divine atemporality. God is not in his transcendence, is not temporal. He's not in time. He's outside of time. He controls time. He's Lord of time. He was before time. And uh, just like uh, we go to the place where we die no more, there'll be a time no more, and he's Lord of the end of time. All right? So he's Lord over it. So Frame here says that uh, this is not a watertight argument, but this is the scriptural data. This is what the scriptures teach. And it does show him as Lord over all time, power over all time. And therefore, and therefore people will, in order to say that God is not eternal, that God is not infinite, they must deny what the scriptures clearly teach about his power over time. So this is this idea of a divine atemporality. Now, why do people argue against this? Well, for the same reason they've argued about it. They, they want man to be in charge. They want man to be all these things. And, you know, a lot of this stuff, one of the aspects of AI uh, and things like that is they really think they're going to create a place where you can live forever without God. Uh, in fact, uh, Frank Tipler and some other people back in the 90s wrote a book about computers one day will give, it, will give us eternal life. Because <laughs> like, uh, we're going to be able to download ourselves on a computer and live forever. All right. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, I mean, these people are... Ta- you know what? You know what, I'm going to chase a rabbit here, but since I brought up AI, you know what AI is? It's man trying to create his own God. And, and in about 10, 15 years, if things continue as we are, we're going to have a cult. We're going to have cults surrounded by AI, worshiping the gods that they made, just like we're be right back in the Bible. Uh huh. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's going to be a tool to beat people with, and that's all it is. It's going to be a corrupt tool to, take, to, to control people. And, there's not, and no matter what, I mean, it's not life. It's all, only the information and the power that they put into it. So don't be scared of it. It's just going to be a time of great deception. But, there's literally, but that's literally what they're doing. They're creating, they believe they can create a God. Yeah, an AI pastor, yeah. <laughs> 
what it's going to be crazy. It's going to what, but there's really going to be cults surrounded by this stuff where they're literally, and we're right back to where we were. We just think we're smart and we arrived because we got Google. Google's a real kind of an AI thing as well. You just you just don't interact with it yet the way that they envision you interacting with it. That's just giant search engines. And you know what's going to destroy this God? I'm not being a prophet, but I'm just saying, all right, you downloaded yourself on a computer, you're interacting, you're, worship, you're, worshiping, the, you're worshiping this stuff, and then a solar flare comes. <laughs> this God they're creating is going to be a very weak, pathetic, limited God. And those that make gods are like unto them. Psalm 135, eyes I have but hear not, ears I have that see, eyes I have that see not, ears I have that hear not. They want they, they think they can make a greater God than what they made back in the day. Now, I, I chased a rabbit. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's where our world's going, but we're one solar flare from having to grow our own gardens again, <laughs> so, and not knowing how to do it, unlike the generations before us. Um, Anyway, neither here nor there. But he's not limited. And he looks down the lofty high. But man wants to be God. We want to say we don't have these limitations. We're going to be able to control all this. We're going to be able to manipulate all this. And because of that, men reject this idea that God is the Lord. I want to put the article. He's the, one of a kind, monadic. There is no other Lord over time except our Lord. So, the question of temporality comes because the Greek philosophers say, okay, yeah, you want to say that about the Lord? That's the same thing we said about, you know, Plato's ideas or Aristotle's forms or whatever, uh, that, that it's there, um, but it's outside of time. You can't reach it or whatever. But what do we believe about God in time? We could talk about transcendence, but what about His eminence? Because when we talk about Him being Lord, well, we're obviously talking about His control. We're obviously talking about His authority. But we're also talking about His presence. And how do we talk about that? When, we talk, when, when you read Christian philosophers, some of the people, some of the people like uh, J.P. Moreland, uh, William Lane Craig, big names, um, they have a tr- trouble talking, going from this idea that God is atemporal, but He's temporal. <laughs> because when you're reading, go to Psalm 102. We, we get this idea that God is not far from us. And I want to present this to you in a way that will make sense. Because when we're talking about time, just like, uh, just like uh, Augustine says, I know what time is until you ask me. <laughs> so, as long as I don't have to start defining, um, I could have a pretty good understanding. But the second I have to start to define the terms... 
Psalm 102, and this is an important text if you want to show Jehovah's Witness, because this is actually talking about Jesus. As quoted in Hebrews chapter 1, if, you want to, next, if a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, compare Psalm 102, what it says about the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, and, what, and then go to Hebrews chapter 1 and say, but isn't this talking about the Son? All right? Because the Son is Yahweh. <laughs> he is Lord. So, Psalm 102 Verse 25, I said, O my God, take me away in the midst of my days, 24, thy years are throughout all generations. Of old thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, all right, there's the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands, still talking about the beginning, they shall perish, that's the end, but thou shalt, what's that word, endure, that little word right there speaks of God as enduring in time changelessly though alright <laughs> so here we have an argument for the temporality of God not the awe temporality but the temporality of God and how do we understand this Well, we understand it as in the aspect of him being Lord of our time. He's not just transcendent as Lord. He's over it, controlling it, but he is imminent. He is present as Lord. And how do we know? How, how do we speak of this? I want to leap ahead a little bit with one little word. All right, you ready for a good theological word? Incarnation. What does incarnation mean? Anybody? What is incarnation? It's a, it's a, you're not going to find the word incarnation in the Bible, by the way. But it describes... It describes what? John 1.14, right? And the Word was made flesh. That's what it describes, right? He tabernacled with us. And that's really what the essence of this word Lord. When we use the word Lord, we're talking about His covenant with us and when did that begin what well, began in the beginning because he's the Lord over time he not, did not just create the world but he was Lord in that world not 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 just over the world but in it and he spoke to Adam one of the Psalms says one of the Psalms says that uh, He humbles himself to behold the things in heaven. So there is a sense that God was always making himself known. John chapter 1, verse 18. What does it say? 
No man has seen God at any time. But wait, didn't Adam see God? Didn't Abraham see God? Didn't uh, Moses see God? What does it mean, Joe? No man has seen God at any time, but what? The only begotten Son has declared Him. There's a story of history right there. God has always been making Himself known to His people specifically. But to the world at large, too. Romans 1, right? The things of Him are clearly seen. Why? Because He's Lord over the lost and saved. <laughs> the wicked and the righteous, He's Lord over all. But He's made Himself known. Our God, who is over time, Lord over it, control of the clock, has entered into history. Chiefly in the person of the Son of God, And most amazingly, in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, who in the fullness of time was born of a woman. So, our God is working in time, in history, and He's here. He's the one that says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am the Lord God of Israel, the children of Israel. You and I are caught in two ages. There's the world that was before the fall. There's the world that is, unless you consider also the language, the world that was before the flood. But there's the world that is, the age it is, and then there's the age to come. Who is working all this, who is present in all this, is our God. All right, so there's a pastness with God. He was in the beginning, He was in the garden, He was in the flood, He was working there. There's a pastness with Him, there's the things that He has done, there's a presentness with God, there's what God is doing, and there is a there is a, a futuricity of God. There is what He's going to do still. So He is working in time. He is doing time. And, and He relates to us in time. He speaks to us in time. What does He say there in 2 Corinthians 6 too? He says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. He says, Today if you will hear my voice. Harden not your hearts. He is, he is in time speaking to us. How? Because He has humbled Himself to behold the things in heaven. He has humbled Himself incarnationally. He has experienced time. He is in time. He is present with us, although He is the Lord of time. So He's working at time. He's present. He is the God that is. And there is a real relationship that we can have with God that is over time because He has entered into time. 
We can know Him. We can feel Him. We can re- and He can react to us. He, uh, he, he, can, uh, he can experience. There's a real relational lordship here. Not a, not, not a fake one. Not, 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 not one that is, that, 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 that is somehow, this is all there is. He's outside of time, but He has entered into it. I mean, consider just Jesus Christ for a second, limited in all the way you and I are, <laughs> right? You got hungry, you got thirsty. He died. I once spoke about this when we were doing apologetics about the humility of the Lord, Him making Himself known. Uh, but he enters time as its Lord. Like Joshua, not frustrated by it. Sun stands still. And all that will be accomplished will be accomplished. But he has entered to it, and we know him in that aspect. Let's quit there. Because... Next week, we're going to talk about, wait a second, wait a second. I thought God was unchanging, and now you're talking about God in time, enduring in time, being Lord in time. How do, how do we understand that? And how do we understand this aspect of, you know, it repented the Lord that he made man. <laughs> Is God changing in time? We're going to have to talk about that, but we're going to talk about that next week. Is there any questions, complaints, or grievances? <laughs> I know this is heavy subject matter, right? <laughs> Amen. Right out of Hebrews 13. He, Lord Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And But praise God, he made himself known to us. All right, I know, like I said, I know this is heavy subject matter, and I'm trying to make it as simple as I possibly, as my, I myself can understand it, and because uh, that's, that's hard, because I have a hard time, uh, I have a hard time thinking about this subject, but I think that you and I need to see the eternal, when we talk about him being the eternal God, we need to see it as this, it's his power as being Lord of time. And that's, that's, that's an amazing thought that comes to us directly from the pages of Scripture. All right, so you're not going to accost me and say, run me out of here as a heretic today. So, <laughs> so uh, maybe next week you'll run me out of here as a heretic, but because uh, but, uh, we're going to have to talk about what does it mean when it says the Lord repented. <laughs> so. And, and what kind of God do we serve? Because the process theologians are going to come by and they're going to say, ah, he's in time. So he's changing. Well, we're going to have to deal with that. All right? So now that you know we're going to talk about process theology, are you willing to come back next week? All right. Uh, let's stop there. Lord bless, Lord bless you all. we got about 13 minutes before the second hour. <laughs>